two, episode 100. We have somehow made it. Century <laughs> Club, Kyle, thank you for all your hard work on this podcast. Thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast, because this has been fun. And the night's run continues to become more and more fun in 2023, 2024. Night's coming off a 9-2 to win over Sarnia. And their next game against the Saginaw Spirit, which we'll talk about right off the bat, sees them playing a team that will host the Memorial Cup and a team that is coming off an 11-3 to victory in which one of their newest players was plus seven and another one of their newest players tied the franchise record for most points in a game in his very first game. And then we will break down some trade stuff. You can follow Kyle on social at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D, and you can follow me at Stubbs980. So episode 100, and fittingly it begins with a matchup, Kyle, between the Knights and the Saginaw Spirit. It's hard to say that this will be a measuring stick because we're going to get to some Knights injuries and some question marks. Will Isaiah George get any supplemental discipline for a five-minute major he received for a cross-check in the game against Sarnia on Wednesday? We still have to find that out. And then... Well, it comes down to the Saginaw Spirit haven't really had time to gel, although they looked really good against the Windsor Spitfires. The Knights beat the Sarnia Sting 9-2. to They scored five goals in the first period doing it. We'll break down that in a moment. But we mean it. Owen Beck tied the Saginaw Spirit record for points in a game with six. He had six points, two goals, four assists. And Jorian Donovan, who was acquired from the Brantford Bulldogs, who played for Team Canada along with Owen Beck, was a plus seven in his first game. Zane Parekh had a hat trick. Saginaw has picked up Aiden Castle as well. They've made a lot of moves, and now they're hoping that that puts them among the best of the best as they look toward taking on the other league champions in May and into June. So the spirit spent big and we'll see what happens there as far as measuring sticks go again they haven't really gelled yet uh, but the london knights well kyle they've more than gelled they've won 10 in a row yeah it's funny mike we talked about i you know there's a few people i spoke with about you know what the london knights were going to do at the trade deadline which we're going to get to as well but you know this is something that this team kind of made their moves and their acquisitions of some big name players Prior to the season, we've talked about it on the podcast. The goaltending was not a question, but maybe an area where, you know, it's been solidified with guys like Brett Brochu for a few years. And, you know, there was who was going to be the next guy to step up. Well, they went out and they made the trade to acquire Michael Simpson, who's had a terrific year with London so far. You know, on the offensive side of the puck, you know, they brought over overseas Casper Halton, who has an absolute cannon of a shot. Uh, you know, he looks like he'll be coming back in the lineup soon as well. You know, they made couple of moves here and there. They made the trade for Bruce Stevich on the back end, but they've really liked their core guys. They've liked what Denver Barkey has done. They've loved what Easton Cowan has done, what Max McHugh bringing back has done, the, the growth of Sam O'Reilly. And they just, they've had a lot of guys in this lineup where they looked ahead and said, if we get someone, we don't know where they're going to play because everyone has fit so well into the roles and has played so incredible. Landon Sim was another guy who's felt like a trade deadline acquisition because he's missed the beginning of the year with an injury, has come back, and all the Knights have done in his time has gone 11-1 and since inserting him into the lineup. So, no, it didn't seem like the Knights made any big additions over the trade deadline, but you can credit Mark and Dale Hunter 
at the beginning of the year and then bringing it back a guy like Landon Sim from injury. They've made acquisitions. They've just they did them earlier. We're going to hear from Rob Simpson in just a little bit on that. We've got a roundtable with Terry Doyle on the rest of the league that will break down everything that happened at the trade deadline. But, Kyle, that's what you want to do. You want to strike early. And one of the things that maybe was a question mark for the London Knights coming into this year, you didn't worry about them defensively because from the start, they had one of the deepest defense cores, and it has only deepened with the play of Jared Woolley, who, along with Evan Van Gorp, will now be with the team the rest of the season. So for the first time, we've got to thank Captain Stinkpants for this. He's been watching the caged crew when you play in the GOJ and you're on a GOJHL card and you come up into the OHL, you have to wear the facial protection that that league wears. So they have been wearing the cages. Well, against the Sarnia Sting, the London Knights had Evan Van Gorp and Jared Woolley in half shields. And so they are full-fledged members of the London Knights for the rest of this season. They have added that. But The one question mark was not defense. It was not goaltending in acquiring Michael Simpson and having Owen Wilmore and having Alexi Medvedev able to learn and play in the GOJHL. It was, can this team score? Can this team score enough goals? And the way that they have been executing offensively, the way that they executed in the first period against the Sarnia Sting was wild. Uh, Jacob Julian scores two goals, has an assist. Denver Barkey feeding people. Easton Cowan set up Jacob Julian for one of those goals. Oliver Bonk on the power play. The power play streak may have ended against Mississauga at 17 consecutive games with at least a goal. Well, a new one may have begun because Oliver Bonk scored one of his two goals on the power play. But coming out of the Sarnia game, Kyle, there are some things. There are some things we've got to look at. The fact that Ruslan Gazazov missed his second straight game with that lower body injury. He was hit where you don't want to be hit with a puck. Michael Simpson did not play, did not dress, and he is listed day-to-day with a lower body injury. Casper Halton, and you mentioned, should be back soon, maybe Friday, and maybe the game against the Saginaw Spirit. That would be a big return from the World Junior Hockey Championship. But the two question marks coming out of the game are Isaiah George, who we mentioned, as he got involved with Easton Wainwright. It was a game where you noticed a lot of penalties were being called for retaliation, for whatever reason. And Easton Wainwright removed a hand from his stick, used his free hand to take Isaiah George to the ice. Isaiah George got up, took exception to that, pushed Easton Wainwright, pushed him again with his stick, and then a cross-check came up and caught Easton Wainwright high. And that's what Isaiah George was called for. Shouldn't be a problem with the penalty because by the textbook, yeah, that's it. The question is, was it egregious enough to warrant any kind of suspension. The chatter after the game along media row, I can let you know, everybody on either side said, no, no, that that was not deliberate. I mean, if you want to compare, if you were at the game where Dalen Moses cross-checked Denver Barkey up high and did not receive additional suspension for that, that appeared more egregious in my mind than this one did. This was just a, hey, you took me down. Come on. You you've got to you got to stand up for that. And it didn't happen. Easton Wainwright would not engage. And so that's just the way that this one worked out. So that's a question mark. Does Isaiah George play against the Saginaw Spirit? That's up to the league to determine. The other big question mark is Landon Sim. And this is just how Landon Sim plays. Oh. It's five nothing. And Landon Sim is blocking a shot. 
that is coming from the blue line. Now, it caught him on the foot somewhere, and he left the game, and he did not return, and obviously he will be checked out. So is Landon Sim able to play? Because you've mentioned it, Kyle, the Knights have one loss in games that he has played this year. There's a reason for that. He ups the intensity. He makes people accountable. And he's a great leader on and off the ice, leads by example. So can he play? And what about Michael Simpson? What about Ruslan Gazazov? Because those four right there, and if we include Kasper Haltonen, that's a five spot of difference makers on the London Knights. Oh, gosh. And and you talk about it. And I just I look up and down the lineup, Mike. And as of right now, the London Knights, I believe if my math is right, have at least eight players on their roster that are at at minimum a point per game this season. And that's going back to guys even missing time. Casper Haltonen has 20 goals in just 28 games. Max McHugh is a point per game player. Oliver Bonk has exploded as 38 points in just 31 games. And then you go down the list. Ruslan Gazazov is top four, top three, tied with Easton Cowan in scoring with this team. So there's a lot of big names and, you know, a, a few key members and contributors to this team that you know are questionable could be going into that big matchup against Saginaw. And you talked about it earlier with Saginaw. Saginaw spent big. They spend big, but when you know that you're going to lock yourself into a spot in the Memorial Cup, you know you're going to be there. You don't want to roster a team that doesn't give you some sort of advantage or a competitive uh, spirit going into those matchups because you're playing the top teams from the top leagues and you want your team to be on par, if hopefully better than the teams you're going to be playing against. And, you know, Sarnia went out and their Sarnia Saginaw went out and did that. And now this is going to be, I think it's going to be a measuring test regardless, Mike, if, if those guys are in the lineup or not, but just, it gives you a sense of where the rest of your lineup is, where the depth of your lineup is, you know, if Owen Wilmore ends up getting the start, how he fares. We saw him last year in the OHL championships and he, he was great. He played very well for them. So he's coming in big games for them too. It's there's a lot of question marks right now surrounding the London Knights heading into one of, if not their biggest games of the year. It is. And it is one of, if not their biggest game of the year. And that's a good thing to have right now. And this will be the final game that the London Knights and the Saginaw Spirit play head-to-head this season. They have already played the other three. They have played in Saginaw twice, and Saginaw has been to London one other time. London ended up winning that game 7-3. to These are different teams right now, and how much of a measuring stick depends on how gelled Saginaw is. And the answer is they're not going to be completely gelled because they play a really difficult system to deal with. And Jorian Donovan is going to excel in this. I mean, he was plus seven in his first game, but there's a lot of motion. And if you are a defenseman and you see a chance to go in the offensive zone, it seems not only do you always have the green light to do it, you have like double green light, like make sure you do it. And then the forwards will cover and things go round and round and it can be difficult to defend and one-on-one defending Usually man-to-man defending, that's the way that you want to go, and the Knights do play a lot of that. So that at least works into London's favor, and we'll just see how things fall. But this is going to be fun to watch these teams. London, Sault Ste. Marie, Saginaw, Kitchener, Guelph. I feel for Owen Sound. Owen Sound made some moves at the deadline. They've been building toward this year, and there's a really good chance that they get one of Kitchener, Sault Ste. Marie, Saginaw, or London in the first round. I feel for them in that way because that's not any kind of picnic for a team that was really hoping to be 
one of the dominant clubs in the OHL this year. There's a lot of question, Kyle, as we turn toward the trade deadline as to what the London Knights did. They brought in Caleb Lawrence. Caleb Lawrence won more faceoffs than he didn't against the Sarnia Sting in his debut and showed off his reach. He was on the penalty kill, took a puck hard to the net. You just saw the things that he does so well that are going to continue to add to the London Knights. That was the major pickup, and a lot of fans are going to say, okay, well, what about what about other things? Well, let's take you behind the scenes. We had a chance to talk with Knights Associate GM Rob Simpson. Here is Rob on this year's trade deadline for the London Knights. It was definitely a lot more active days prior. I think everybody's now realized with all the no trades that you're not going to be able to do things the morning of the trade deadline. Um, if you maybe had till 5, 5 p.m., you could work a little harder on the last day. So it seemed like it was a quiet trade deadline, one of the more quiet we've we've ever seen for our side um, and it was more active more talks leading up to it everybody always wonders okay well who's gonna get what and then they'll do the math and say okay well this team added four players that means you know they're really going for it or this team added five players they're really going for it when you went into it were you looking to do too much or were you looking at your roster and saying we're, we're good but let's see yeah, we talk a lot in our group about making sure if we're going to add, we're adding a fit and not adding just to add. I mean, we've done that before. You know, I've come back to the Memorial Cup in 14. We added a bunch of players because we needed to and lost some players to the NHL that year. And, you know, we didn't necessarily now looking back, our group it feels we didn't add the right fit and just added. So we're really mindful of that, that... You know, we need a player like Caleb Lawrence that brings size, plays center, responsible defensively. He's got 10 goals this year, so he's going to bring some more goal scoring. And we feel really confident with our team that we have now that we have those star players, we have those high-end players, and we just needed to to fit the right player or two around them. And, And, you know, we already picked up Michael Simpson as well shoring up our goalie early so um, sometimes the best moves you do and hopefully in this case are not the moves that you make but you go on with your current team and we still have to take that math that happens right now and maybe go back a little bit take a bigger picture of it I guess yeah yeah 100% you need to and it's you know we'll we'll see in the end at, at the end of the day who's who's right I mean you know you look at all the teams that loaded up on our side and there's only going to be one winner so there's going to be you know 10 teams that are uh, or sorry, nine teams that are going to be disappointed. A couple out of the playoffs and a couple teams that loaded up and didn't go. So, um, you know, you look at what we did last year, we kind of did the same thing. We went and got one piece that we thought we really needed. And, and you look at our 2016 team, we went and got Jacob Graves. We didn't do too much there. So I'm not going to say it's going to work out like that. But it definitely we, we talked a lot about adding the right piece and not just going for guys. Finally, when it comes to, I guess, the the overall look of the team, feel of the team, you get a chance to see yourself against Saginaw going into a game on Friday night. How big is that, or, or is it still even a little too early? Fans start getting really excited right now. Well, it's nice to kind of see where you stack up and, and where your team fits. I mean, uh, those games usually give you a little indication, but I mean, for us, we got some injuries. I, I'm sure they have some injuries. You're getting guys into their billet homes. They're not really comfortable yet. They don't know the coaching staff, the system on both sides. So um, it'll be exciting. It'll be interesting to see where we, we stack up. But, it, you know, the true test is 
um, you know, if you play them in the playoffs or, you you know, what team you line up with. It could be them or the Kitchener or Sioux or any team in the first round, for example, to see how the changes affected the team. Rob, thanks for this. Thank you. London Knights Associate General Manager Rob Simpson. So here's another test, and this is one even to look at if you're paying attention to the Knights and the Saginaw spirit on Friday night. Saginaw's added in a lot of bodies. A lot of new faces. You wonder how the chemistry is going to go. The Knights have been very happy with their chemistry. Mark Hunter, the GM, had mentioned inconsistency, was dogging them early this in the year. They seem to have ironed that out. They are playing 60-minute games. We are seeing that consistency that they knew they had in them. And now it becomes a question of what's more important, chemistry, which the Knights have shown that they have, versus maybe additional players being brought in, additional veterans, additional star power. And I'm I'm fascinated. This is going to be a great storyline the rest of the way, Kyle. Well, and again, it's it I think it shows the faith in what the the London Knights have built this year and what they have done in terms of drafting. Because like you said, you know, Saginaw went out and they acquired a bunch of guys from other teams. But London's just got this whole homegrown roster going on here that's already full of stars and full of first-round draft picks and NHL draft picks and guys who are going to go in the first round this year as well. And a lot of it outside of the beginning of the year where they made a couple acquisitions, including goaltender Michael Simpson. But other than that, everything has been homegrown. Everything that you see here, you've seen in past years. We saw last year, Mike, the emergence of Jacob Julian, and we saw glimpses of what he can bring to this lineup. What has he done this year? He's only second in the team in scoring with 50 points in 36 games. He has made a massive jump. Sorry, 38 games. Easton Cowan, was he going to live up to the first round draft capital, the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, he's only played 26 games, but that's because he was a part of the World Junior Hockey Championship for Team Canada. And oh yeah, he stayed up with the Toronto Maple Leafs organization because of how much he impressed. And he's third on the team in scoring in just 26 games with 44 points. Sam Dickinson's draft eligible this season. He's been an absolute monster on the back end. Oliver Ponk has taken a step forward after being a first round selection as well. So there's so much, there's so much talent there's so much promise there's so much camaraderie with this team too you watch this 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 you know the locker room and how they interact with one another this is a very tight-knit team and sometimes having that closeness is a lot more important than maybe bringing in a star player or two from another team and trying to fit them because maybe it's a puzzle piece that doesn't necessarily fit quite in to what you're building that's it. And it's it's risking disruption. And Rob cited it in 2014. There were a lot of guys brought in and, and you just you never had that gel, even though you had a core in 2014. So what happens this time around? Who knows? But every coach will tell you the thing that they want to do is get everybody playing for each other, have that family atmosphere. And that could easily exist anywhere among the teams who brought in new players. They could fit in seamlessly and just make the team better. But you want to question, okay, what what do we want to do? And the other thing that the Knights have never done is they don't mortgage everything for one particular year, and that's why they continue to be consistently good. They find ways, and I think they're looking right now and saying, have you seen the players we've added into our lineup? They have performed really well way before you expected them to because they were called on during the holiday break. So lots of positives, and it's now chemistry versus the, you know, the maybe the the adding of stars, the adding of players that we can look at down the stretch. Fun thing to watch. 
Let's talk about the rest of the league and how things shaped up. We had a chance to talk with Terry Doyle, who is the television voice of the Sarnia Sting and has followed the OHL for a long time. He's at every Memorial Cup. And we talked with Terry in a preview of the trade deadline. Well, let's do a post view of the trade deadline. And the first thing we brought up was overagers. A lot of overagers moved, in some cases, for pretty big prices. I think this is a year where the overagers were moved around like crazy this year, and I think there were some circumstances. I think Windsor had some opportunities fall in their lap to move some overagers around, but still end up with some overagers and gain assets. I think Bill Bowler said, wait a minute, if I can gain two and three picks and maybe adjust my overagers a little bit, but look at Roberto Mancini goes out, Jabril Turi comes in from Sudbury. It's a wash, I think, at best, and you gain picks. So I think that's where you look at that. But just teams, you know, Peterborough moving their overagers for lots of draft picks. And around the league, the sellers, a lot of them did very well moving their overagers. Jim Van Horn, the prices. Remember there was a time when a second-round pick would get you a player? Now, now we're seeing enormous numbers of picks. And it seems that this grows even just by a little bit every year. It does. Um, the inflation is in everything, I guess. Uh, but also, um, I think the outlook on second rounders, third rounders is uh, is is that you can always get them when your cycle comes around to be a seller. And so you empty the cupboard, a la North Bay, for example, uh, and then you can say, look, when we're in a tougher position than we are, we can get those back. So you you yes, you lend them out more than you, I guess, uh, trade them. And uh, so that's the way they look at it. And as a result, the the price doesn't seem as high because you can always get them back. So uh, I, that's that's one way I'd look at it. The other um, thing that struck me about the deadline, and, and it's a more of a London thing, but it's not. Uh, it's about the league and uh, William Moore, who tried to get into this league as an underage, wanted to play in the OHL so bad that he applied for exceptional status and now has apparently given the Knights a firm no or at least the indication is he doesn't want to play in the league anymore. I think the league is um, at a deficit now for uh, acquiring players. It's their loss, the league's loss, and it's happening over and over and over. Um, I think the USHL is a competitor, a very good competitor, as is has always been the NCAA, and I think the league's going to have to make some adjustments. This has happened very quick, uh, and I do believe the NIL, the name, image, and likeness is probably one of the reasons for this, um, that uh, it's a very lucrative uh, thing now to be heading towards the NCAA uh, because you can make a lot more money than you can playing in this league. The landscape has changed so much in so little time. When we look at the landscape in the OHL, Terry Doyle, we have the Saginaw Spirit who are going to be hosting. You knew they were going to be adding players, and and they did. But over in the Eastern Conference, there's always that, hey, if Saginaw makes it, the team that's in the final goes with them. Do you think that precipitated a lot of the early movement that we saw at the deadline in the East? I think it did a little bit, but I think the weird thing with the East is we have the East Division leading Brantford Bulldogs that basically turned into sellers. Now, I think part of the reason they turned into sellers because they was they received an offer they couldn't refuse. Eight picks for Jorian Donovan. Jorian Donovan is a good defenseman. He's not Pavel Minchikov, who went for nine last year. And so that's where I think that's where Brantford said, well, hold on. We've got a great group coming back next year. Let's rebuild the cupboard even more. 
more and look at it that way. Sudbury had to make moves. They made a couple of moves from that standpoint, but they were expensive moves as well. Giving up their first round pick from this past year for Donovan McCoy. McCoy, a good 19-year-old defenseman, not sure he's first round, normal at least, first round worthy to come back the other way. But like the East Division is so wide open right now. Even the Central, North Bay, you know, they're a club that's been underachieving a bit, but I think now they add the players from Sarnia, they add the Twins and Bill Manis, and I think that makes a big factor there. But it just feels like in Ottawa's been spinning their wheels a little bit. They make some moves, but still you're kind of waiting for somebody in the East to say, yeah, you're right, we could have an extra spot in the Memorial Cup here, up for grabs. In the West, Jim, we kept waiting on the Kitchener Rangers. Would they do anything? Would they not do anything? Ultimately, they make a trade with the Barry Colts, bringing in two players and giving up a lot of draft picks to do it. What did you make of Kitchener's move? Well, uh, maybe the 2027 Memorial Cup is not the be-all and end-all yet. Uh, you always have time to plan and prepare for something like that, if that's what you uh, want to do. Uh, but I think it was just too irresistible for Kitchener uh, to be looking this good this strong uh, to, to not go for it. And, um, and I, I think to pick up on what Terry said, if they, you know, the, the, the path to the Memorial Cup, if you look at it, if Kitchener gets through the West, I think they can handle most. I think the East is, is they can handle anybody in the East. So it's like if we get by Saginaw, we'll see you in the Memorial Cup uh, because we, we have a good shot of, of getting there. So that was probably their thinking. And I, they've got a fan base there that's hungry uh, and dedicated. And I give them credit for uh, bringing in those two players. And we'll figure out that 2027 Memorial Cup bid in, in due time. Terry, as a final note in the West, we saw a Guelph ad, we saw Sault Ste. Marie ad. Anything that you notice that you think, oh, that's interesting? Well, there's Flint. We could cover that one. We're not really sure what Flint was up to, and I think that'll be the one that uh, Albert Einstein wouldn't even be able to figure out if he was still around these days. So I think that's where Windsor with that group of 17-year-olds that are pretty good. They tried to add some things around them to follow up on Jim's thing. Kitcher gave up one second in all of that. And I think now next year, the veterans, they might be take a step back with some of those veterans to restock the cupboard. So I think, but you're right, they're so good. They had to make that move. Guelph was kind of a team you wondered which direction they're going to go. They really didn't do anything too substantial. George Burnett was probably itching to do more because that's George. George makes trades. He loves to trade. He would trade at a garage sale if he could. So he probably does, actually. So you look at that. But, yeah, I think Flint was the biggest head scratcher. And you know what? Sometimes you look at the Knights. Don't upset the apple cart. Make a tweak here. Make a tweak there. But at the end of the day, chemistry is a big factor. And I think that's where we'll see with Saginaw. Back, we, You and I, we all go back to those 06, 07 Saginaw team. They had an AHL roster and flamed out in the first round of the playoffs. They had no chemistry. We'll have to see what Saginaw does this time. Gentlemen, thank you. Anytime. Terry Doyle and Jim Van Horn. And the look at the trade deadline as a whole. The Kitchener Rangers adding Edward Chalet and Olivier Savard for a lot of picks in the end. So, yeah, that was one that, that maybe nobody expected, but it happened, and it makes Kitchener a better team. Knights still have five games left against the Kitchener Rangers. Games coming up. The Saginaw game that we've talked a lot about. Then the Knights take on the Owen Sound attack on Sunday. If you're listening to this podcast before that game, Sunday at 2 p.m. at Budweiser Gardens. And then next week on Podcast 101, we'll be talking about the Knights announcing their Hall of Fame 
class of 2024. Look forward to it. We'll have those details. We'll recap some games and we'll continue to watch as now everything ratchets up a few notches in the Ontario Hockey League. Kyle, can't wait. Yeah, this is when it starts getting to be, you know, the fun time of year. Teams are battling for playoff positioning and who they're going to be facing off with and measuring stick games. The Knights have a couple of them this weekend, so hopefully they can find a way to continue on with the streak. And then Hall of Fame, uh, you know, Hall of Fame week is always a ton of fun. So very much looking forward to that. Excited to see the inductees, the nominees, everything about that. And Mike, I know you do an incredible job at, at participating, helping out and hosting as well. So I, uh, I can't wait to see all that fall. Look forward to it. Kyle, have a great weekend. You as well, Mike. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms. <laughs>